Hello everyone and welcome back to The Other Castle. The Other Castle, I'm Andrea. How you doing, Tom? Oh, I am doing wonderful. Thanks for introducing me. <laughs> this is Tom. <laughs> I jumped the gun. I'm just really excited about this episode. As you should be, because you get to take it easy this oh, episode. Oh yeah, I get to chill. Uh, so it is season five of The Other Castle. If you're just joining us because you're a big fan of Psychonauts, Welcome. That's weird. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is our podcast where we discuss the plot, lore, and more behind video games, your favorite games, your next favorite games, or games you forgot existed, just like this one, right? You didn't know this one existed? Didn't know until you told me, and I was like, I don't know what's happening and why this is so loud, but oh. here we are. I mean, I would put this in our top five most requested episodes. Really? Oh, yeah. Easily. People love this game. I don't think I've read all the emails uh, because that does not <laughs> sound familiar. I did read an email recently that asked for something very graphic. Yes. Um, somebody did not follow the rules from the Red Dead episode. <laughs> Out of love, though. Yeah. But, you uh, know, it is what it is. I, I really enjoy reading the emails that we do see, though. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking weirdos. Yes, we love you guys so much. We have some of the best fans. I know it's cliche as fuck to say, but... We do, though. We do. We really do. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of our fans. I think you guys are really fucking cool. And Tom reads emails more than I do. I try and read them. But yeah, man, they do get read. Uh, every single one of them by at least one of us, if not both of us. And we appreciate the love. And if you want to find out who is communicating with us, stick around till the end of the episode. We're going to be doing some shout outs today, everybody. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That's so cool. I mean, it's cool that we got people listening. So, you know, yeah. we're going to we're going to do a little bit of shouting out today. How's that sound? That sounds great. I mean, 5 years, 5 seasons in. It's been longer than 5 years, right? Oh, it's been much longer than 5 years. Okay. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Although I would really suggest starting at like season 3 or 4 if you're yeah. just joining us. That's when we really That's when I get really into it. We hit our stride and I start playing more games, but uh, you know, there's some gems in season 1. I think the Centipede episodes absolutely fucking insane i mean we still reference dragon's lair all the time because it haunts me tom <laughs> it fucking haunts me i'm not okay <laughs> well anyway i mean yeah we are actually going to reference uh dragon's lair another time tonight because uh yeah that absolutely does come up again i only like it when we reference bioshock because when we reference bioshock i get to take a bio shot yeah get your glasses ready because that's also going to be coming up in this episode because psychonauts while it didn't uh, publish like around the same time as Bioshock, you know, it was in development kind of at the same time. Huh. It's still, you know, they share some some similarities here and there. So there's only one idea at a time in media. Oh, like... yeah. And also <laughs> you have to remember, like you look at your, your current job and you look at the people that come in, they work there for like six months to a year and then they leave and they go work for another company. Video game companies have the same problem. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, they, they do tend to, like, go in, learn everybody's ideas, quit, get fired, whatever, and they go on to another company, and they're like, hey, this is what everybody else is doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all just end up with this wave of the same shit, but at yeah. least different flavored, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk Psychonauts. Yay. I'm, I am excited, because I truly don't know anything about this game. Well, you're about to learn everything about this game. Psychonauts was published in 2005, and it was the debut game for Double Fine Productions, which was founded by the game's creator, Tim Schafer. Double Fine. That sounds familiar. 
Does it? Uh, I mean, they're still in production today. Okay, cool. Yeah, they still make games. Uh, they're one of those companies where they're more the subsidiary, and then they'll sell their product to a larger distributor. Oh, okay, cool. So let's talk about Tim Schafer a little bit. Okay. At the time, he was a pretty well-respected game maker who got his start on the point-and-click adventure series, The Secret of Monkey Island. Oh, shit. That still pops up on best-of lists. Like, that is still very well-revered game. Yeah, it might be a game we cover eventually, to be real. Monkey Island Secrets. And that was through LucasArts. And you know LucasArts. They're a subsidiary of Lucas Films. I'm familiar. <laughs> As in George Lucas. Yes, the whole Star Wars world. <laughs> Does that mean Psycho Knights might be canonically in the same world as Star Wars? Is that what you're implying? Absolutely not. Okay, but we're going to pretend that is. <laughs> gotcha. A lot of the designs for the creatures, though, I mean, they are like very similar to what you see in some Star Wars uh, characters. For example, the main character of this game looks a lot like Maz Kanata from the episode seven. Ooh. Yeah, actually, I would say if you were going to picture anybody, picture her as the main character. That's cool. Are there porgs? There's no porgs. Oh. <laughs> Are there porgs? I mean, there's there's cutesy little animals, honestly. that might not be too far off from porgs. However, this is literally decades before those movies came out. Porg and so. nuts. Porg and nuts. <laughs> His work at LucasArts led to him being able to helm a game, and that game was called Full Throttle. Full Throttle, the Mountain Dew? No, this, no. Was, a, this was a video game. It was another point-and-click adventure game. Okay. And while developing that game, he came up with this idea for a psychedelic level where the main character takes some drugs and goes on an acid trip. Oh, shit. Like in GTA V. A little bit, yeah, <laughs> when Michael gets drugged by his son and he's like flying through the air and stuff. Oh, yeah. I love that sequence. Problem was, Full Throttle was supposed to be a family game. Oh, no. So you shouldn't be doing the drugs in front of the family. No. So they threw that idea out, but like it always stayed in the back of his mind. Like, damn, this would have been cool, though. Yeah. And after Full Throttle, he went on to create a cult classic game by the name of Grim Fandango. Oh, man. Yeah. That's a game we almost covered on the show but we really struggled to get into it <laughs> we tried really hard though i remember being like i have to take notes i have to give a shit and i just couldn't make myself give a shit yeah it did win the 1998 game of the year award from GameSpot. oh wow so i mean you know it did well it yeah. was very well received and you know it got him another game at LucasArts. I mean, hey, you can't argue with success. You can't argue with kind of rough graphics and storytelling and lore. I know. We're too far in the future now to really respect some of these things, aren't we? I'm too spoiled, man. I can't, <laughs> I've been playing a bunch of Rockstar games. I love the Bioshock series. It's hard when you're like, you're a skeleton. Go on the boat. Pretend to be a waiter. Like, go, no, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I want to shoot something. Well, his next game with LucasArts got really deep into pre-production, but then it ultimately fell apart. Oh, that's always so heartbreaking because you're like, I know there's dozens of people that work on this, gave a shit and built out a world and then just to pull the rug from under them. Oh, it's always so heartbreaking. Yeah. And that is when he decided to take some of his favorite co-workers and start a rival gaming company. Hell yeah. Now, we've seen this happen once before. Uh, Don Bluth of Dragon's Lair fame. Not the Bluth company. No. he uh, When he quit working for Disney, that's exactly what he did. Yeah. Yeah. He quit when made a rival animation studio, did Fivel and shit and, and Land Before Time. Like, he did fine. 
Yeah, they're still making Land Before Time. Yeah, exactly. They're in like triple digit Land Before Times now. It's yeah. great. <laughs> triple digit Land Before Time. Well, it was that thing when I was a kid, there was one, mm-hmm. and then the next week when we went to the video store, there were eight. And then the next <laughs> week, it was like a full half wall. That was like the Land Before Time corner. And I was like, how fast is time moving for you? Because for me, as a child, it's been a week. And yeah. you have taken over the entire silver screen video. <laughs> I'm dating myself and showing exactly where I grew up. It is what it is. I mean, it makes you wonder why they didn't just do like an animated TV series. It was ahead of its time. For their first game, which was an extremely ambitious title, and today's episode, Psychonauts, was described by Tim Schafer himself as... We are going to make what could conservatively be called the greatest game of all time ever. And I think that's awesome. No pressure, you fucking weirdo. Oh my God. I mean, here's the thing. It went on to receive rave reviews from critics. Okay. And he got himself another Game of the Year award, this time from Eurogamer. The reviews especially praised the comedy of the series. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it was very unexpected because this game was not presented as being funny. Oh, it was surprise funny? It was surprisingly funny because the average age of the characters in this game is probably about 12 years old. Oh, shit. So you're, it's kids. It's children. And it is some of the most adult humor I've ever experienced in a game. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know, no. we did Leisure Suit Larry on this, Ugh. you know, Disco Elysium. These are some pretty adult games. This game isn't like nearly as graphically adult, but <laughs> damn, some of the topics they cover is like, I, I hardly think this shit at my age today. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited because that is a weird turn. I did not think we were taking. <laughs> and a big part of that comedy comes from somebody who we have very, very briefly mentioned on the show once before. Is his name Henry? No, this man uh, is named Eric Wolpaw. Wolpaw. Cool last name. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think you remember this name. So in our episode about Portal, I mm-hmm. talked about something funny Eric had said about why they chose chocolate cake as a driving motivator for the first game. He's that guy? He's that guy. We also, in that episode, mentioned how one of the writers from Half-Life 2 was brought onto the Portal team to help them build out the story in the world of Portal. Yeah. Eric Walpaw was that man. Hell yeah. Eric. Eric's fucking hysterical. He's a very funny man, and it's not the last time we're going to hear from him this season, even. I hope so. He's fucking great. What yeah. a good creator. Oh, well, big fan of his work. Yeah, I had. I was not expecting to run into him in this episode, but like, it was a really delightful surprise. Surprise! Yeah. It was initially developed as an Xbox exclusive, however, the parent company of Double Fine Productions, a company called Majesco Entertainment, did some backdoor dealings and found a production company that could port the game to PS2 and had that done without the team at Double Fine knowing anything about it. Oh, shit. Did that cause some drama or were they cool with it? Lots of drama. Okay. So (laughs) I would anticipate because that's some fucking insane shit. Yeah. And that's not the only drama here. This game suffered from serious crunch culture issues. Oh, no. And like before the crunch culture story really took off it that's that's pretty early you know crunch cultures really happened in the last like 10 years or so of people really cracking down and going hey what if we gave developers some life balance you are so right to the point where they were actually bragging openly about the horrible fucking conditions no and the suffering the team endured to get the game out oh my god like they were fucking proud of it what a nightmare even bigger problem 
Nobody seemed to care about the effort that went into the game or what the critics said, and the game fucking flopped. Horribly. Oh shit, seriously? It did awful. Nobody played this fucking game. Oh my god. And everybody loved it. Everybody that played it absolutely loved it, but nobody fucking played All it. All 12 people that bought it really enjoyed it. And it honestly just floundered around for a number of years. Holy shit. And Majesco Entertainment just about went under because of this game. Oh my god. So yeah. this game almost just collapsed it on itself, basically. Entirely. And it Holy took seven shit. years, but eventually Double Fine was able to purchase the full rights to the series back from Majesco, and they did a full remaster of the game for modern systems. Oh, wow. So once they've regained those rights, the fates of just about everybody completely changed. They gave it a facelift and offered it on Steam as a humble bundle, and in a few hours, they sold more copies than they had in the entirety of the years previous. Holy shit. So they should have had the reins from the fucking start. From the very beginning. That's amazing. So finally, people were playing Psychonauts, and they fucking loved it. Hell yeah. Because as I said, it was a really ambitious title, and like Marty McFly says, you might not be ready for it, but your kids are going to love it. <laughs> and their parents are going to laugh at these weird ass jokes you're going to get. Yeah, the game was just way too ahead of its time when it was released. But several years later, it just felt right at home with gamers. That's cool. And you just played it recently. So like. Yeah, exactly. And still functions. Still. F uh, yeah. We'll get into that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So for the voice talent in the game. They went with one of the heaviest hitters in the voiceover community and hired Richard Horvitz to perform the lead character Rasputin Aquato, or Raz for short. You just said Rasputin Aquato, like that's not an insane name to just say out loud. Oh, it's a fantastic name, and it's actually, he went with this name because there was like a co-worker at LucasArts with the name Raz. His name was like Rasmussen or something like that. He didn't want to straight up steal his name. He wanted the Raz part of it for it and everything. So yeah, that's why he went with Rasputin. <laughs> Just a little razzle dazzle. A little razzle dazzle. I love that. But yeah, so if you don't know who Richard Horvitz is by name, you definitely know his work. Okay. And his biggest role, in my opinion, being that of Zim from the cartoon series Invader Zim. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah, he did Fairly Odd Parents, <gasps> Loud House, Rugrats, oh. Kim Possible. If it was a Nickelodeon cartoon, he was in it. Hell yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, he did one of the lead characters in Angry Beavers. Yeah, he's a big, big heavy hitter in the voiceover community. You're, you're taking me down memory lane right now. This is fucking great. <laughs> and as I was telling you, like the average age of the characters are about 12 years old, mm -hmm. and they initially were going to hire children for all those roles. What a nightmare that would have been. Oh my God. Yeah, due to the length of time it takes to make a game, and also kind of the horror stories they heard from like the production of the Peanuts cartoon series because <laughs> they did use children and apparently it was a nightmare fucking doing that. Sounds like it. Uh, they decided to go with adults doing, you know, children voices. Which is what most voice performers are in like cartoons and shit. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, this is way better than Jack Marston in Red Dead 2. <laughs> Sweet baby angel Jack. So sorry to the person who did Jack Marston. It's just that they figured it out with this game. Definitely. <laughs> So one of those people that is in this game is uh, Nikki Rapp, and she plays one of the lead characters named Lily. And Nikki Rapp is another one of those people you might not necessarily know them by name. However, Nikki is the voice of 
all of the child sims in the sim series oh shit good for her <laughs> hell yeah nikki yeah that was one of her first jobs she ever got was just to do like the mumbling and sound effects of a sims character and they didn't know how big sims was going to become yeah so she got that job and she has maintained it ever since she has always been the children that's the fucking sims. cool she also plays one of the teen girls that goes missing in firewatch <gasps> Oh, shit, she had two whole lines. <laughs> and Henry's like, there's a bunch of kids here drinking beer, and then their tent gets... Oh, Firewatch is so fucking good. Yeah, go back and listen to Firewatch if you haven't. Hell yeah, listen to Henry. I love all the video gaming Henrys. You do. <laughs> They're everywhere. And the rest of the cast is just like a list of grade eight voice talent that has been playing like your favorite video game characters for years. Hell yeah, I love that. I love when it's a game that's low-key all-stars fuck. Yeah, right? No, it's really cool. And especially because at the time, they were hiring people that weren't necessarily big names. They've just, since then, grown to be so fucking big. Just an ensemble of the future of voice acting. Yeah. That's so fucking cool. And we finally got a real sequel in 2021 with Psychonauts 2. What's the age gap between Psychonauts 1 and Psychonauts 2? Is that... 2005 to 2021? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's longer than Kingdom Hearts even. That gap is old enough to drive. <laughs> God damn. And honestly, it was as well regarded as the first game. Really? I remember this coming out and being like, I don't remember Psychonauts 1. And yeah, Andrea, that was 16 years ago. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah, there's a side story game that bridges 1 and 2 that came out in 2017, but it was exclusive for VR platforms. And it was called Psychonauts in the Rhombus of Ruin. Ooh, we love a rhombus. Love a good rhombus. And honestly, both Tim Schafer and Eric Walpaw are going to be showing up on this show again because Tim has gone on to make some really incredible games in Psychonauts, including one that we absolutely want to hear on the show, Brutal Legend. Brutal Legend. Yeah, I think that goes right up there with like Lollipop Chainsaw, right in that fucking alley. That, that is very much in the same vein. Brutal Legend is that rock and roll Jack Black video game that came out in the aughts at some point, yeah, very much in that lollipop chainsaw kind of punk rock hack and slash world. And I want to play it more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to spoil it for myself selfishly. <laughs> but, you know, we're on the PS5. We have a four just in case. Uh, as backup, as I guess. As backup, yeah. I don't know. It's sitting here. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I would love to get it, see it get a polish so I can play a really fancy version but that's also because i'm spoiled and everything i play is like unreal engine fucking a thousand <laughs> pixels you know yeah psychonauts has a very distinct art style to it especially and it maintains its art style from psychonauts one to psychonauts two but it just like you just said looks more polished cool yeah love that and you know brutal legend same kind of thing where it's it's very animated and fun and that's part of why tim schaefer keeps getting work is that his art style is very very distinct to him. Do you think if they did a re-up on Brutal Legend, they just have Jack Black? Just make Jack Black act it out? Yeah. Do mocap for it and everything? Well, like in Wally, how they have one <laughs> here. <laughs> no, you immediately immediately know. <laughs> everything no, is animated going. That's great. except for Jack Black. <laughs> that is live motion video for no fucking reason, and they do not address it. I kind of love that, actually. Okay. <laughs> Call us. <Yeah. laughs> the other consultants. Yes. We will help fix your video game reboots. <laughs> and get me a chance to hang out with Jack Black, because that sounds cool. That does sound cool. 
Jack Black is so cool. And he, he plays seems, video games. He's so rad. Yeah, he seems like a good guy. Yeah. Like, I have watched a couple of his streams. He did a Red Dead video. Uh, where did it's, he? It's kind of just him doing cowboy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, I think he puts on the shoes and stuff. He's he's just a sweet man, and I want, I wish him well. He's so genuinely himself. And when we get Brutal Legends, we're going <laughs> to see him just fucking <laughs> hopping around, jacking and blacking. Jack Black, based as fuck. Yup. All right. Well, I think that is enough history of Psychonauts. I think it's time to get into it. Okay, but just one more note of Psychonauts. Do you know what Psychonauts means socially in the circles? I'm actually really glad you asked that question because I do, but why don't you let people know what Psychonauts is a reference to? In the same way someone that perhaps tosses a devil's lettuce salad is called a stoner, Someone who eats a shit gang of mushrooms all the time can be called a psychonaut. Psychedelic mushrooms. Oh, yeah, not fucking, like, <laughs> umami-flavored shit or, like, portobello as a motherfucker. Right. I don't know why I said it like that. That was way too hard for no reason, but, <laughs> you know. Be responsible, everybody. You know, it makes sense considering that the original idea came from he wanted somebody to do acid and have a trip, and that's where this game's idea came from. I'm going to plead the fifth and just shut up while you do the rest of the game now. So the game opens with a slideshow presentation on the human mind. What the fuck? Are we in school? Kind of. We get some stats about the human mind and how it is a battlefield of dreams, as told to us by a gruff-sounding militaristic man. Ooh. It's very reminiscent of a scene like out of Patton or other old war movies where the general like stands in front of a projector giving a rousing speech to his soldiers, you know? Okay. And the military man says that the brain is their beachhead and that we are about to embark on the war inside the brain. Are they doing a D-Day hype talk for the brain? They absolutely are. Oh my god, what is happening like already? Like they're storming the beaches of Normandy in World War II. You haven't gotten to the title screen and I'm like, why is this happening? Well, he says that we are training to be an elite fighting force of mental warriors called psychonauts. Mental warriors? And anyone who fails their training will die. Is this a metaphor for like SSI tablets or like <laughs> Prozac or something? That's where my brain goes. You know, it's funny that you say Prozac immediately. This game has such a focus on mental health. Huh. Like this is one of the most like mental health aware games. Honestly, most mental health aware entertainment avenues I've ever seen. Okay, but the irony of this with a focus on mental health and then contributing to crunch culture. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, oh. I apologize for diverting, but that's so that's such an interesting concept. Go ahead. It's probably why they were able to do it so well. <laughs> They're like, it's on our minds, motherfucker. I haven't slept in three days. So after he threatens to kill everybody, we pan over <laughs> to a group of small children listening to this speech. <laughs> and one's crying. Of course, because they were threatened with death. We next see these two non-military adults console the child and assures them all that they're not going to die if they don't become a psychonaut. But, like, they could die if they don't become a psychonaut, right? Well, Mr. Military says, well, you might as well be if you're not a psychonaut. Oh my god, what a dramatic <laughs> bitch. <laughs> and the crying boy gets named in this game, unlike Five Nights at Freddy's, <laughs> and that boy's name is Dogen. What a Dogen. And he says that he thought this was supposed to be a summer camp, not a military training school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And this girl named Lily comforts him by saying she's been coming to this summer camp for years and nothing ever happens. Okay. So don't worry. <laughs> this is a full horror movie. <laughs> I was dropped off at summer camp. I thought I was going to fucking go in a canoe and make a lanyard or whatever else happens in the Adams Family movie. And now I'm being threatened with death from a military man. Next up, we get this Kuno looking bully child. Kuno from fucking Disco Elysium. From Disco Elysium. Yeah, he <laughs> so looks all like that. toothy and ratty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he scares the crying kid by saying the only thing to fear is the giant lake monster. Oh my god. Straight up a horror movie. And the military man is named Coach Oleander, and he's in charge at Whispering Rock Psychic Summer Camp. Ooh. You went to cowboy camp as a kid, right? I did go to cowboy camp as a kid. Did they threaten you with death at any point? No, they just threatened us with oats. How does that work? Please tell me everything. Well, I mean, like, if you acted up, you just get oatmeal in the morning for breakfast instead of, like, real breakfast. That was the most thing they did. Honestly, that's not bad. No, it's not. Oatmeal's a good hearty breakfast for young kids. Yeah, I mean, it was unflavored oats, but, you know... They wanted you to live like a pioneer. You'll eat like a horse if you're bad. (laughs) That's fucking great. So as Coach Oleander is giving more of a speech, a shadowy figure begins to loom from high above in the trees. You did say you were in a horror movie. Oh, no. (laughs) Coach Oleander introduces the other two adults we saw, a man and a woman, as special agents Sasha Nine and Mia Vidello. There's fucking agents now? Yeah, that was the two adults that were comforting Dogen. Yeah, but they're agents. Yeah, they are special agents. They are psychonauts. As they're introduced, that shadowy figure from above comes crashing down out of the trees. Oh, shit. And Dogen screams, Lake Monster! And all the kids (laughs) scatter about screaming. (laughs) I like Dogen a lot. He sounds terrible. (laughs) So the coach and the agents ready themselves for a battle, and they are able to use telekinesis to lift the shadowy figure into the air and bring it towards them for a closer look. And they see that the figure is just a little boy. Oh, just a loose child. And Coach Oleander attempts to break into the boy's mind and can't. So they release the boy and ask, who is he? And the boy gets super dramatic, waving his arms about as he introduces himself. And he goes, my name. Coach Oleander goes, starts with a D. And then the boy goes, is Rasputin. (laughs) Fuck you, Oleander. I know. Coach Oleander looks so confident. He's like, it starts with a D. So you mentioned Raz looks like. Maz Kanata. Are these like human looking children or are they more small adult figures? Like what's going on with our characters here? Humanoid. Um, Okay. Yeah, they, I would say the way that all the characters in the animated series Doug are all humans. Got it. So you can be different colors that aren't necessarily the skin tones that we see today. Yeah, they can be like kind of hyper stylized humans. Yeah, and they're, like I said, they're humanoids, so everybody walks on two legs, they all have two arms, eyes, head, you know, like that, but they don't look like people. Interesting. Okay, got it. Thank you. Yeah, so the way Maz Kanata, she looks humanoid, but she doesn't look like a person. Right. You know, like that. And everybody kind of has their own very unique design as well. Cool. So Rasputin, he says that everybody simply just calls him Raz. And he was only hiding because he was late to his first day at camp and he didn't want to interrupt the opening night speeches. Oh, that's actually very considerate. And then he fell through the sky. Yeah, so much for that, right? And Raz is our main character of the game and you get to know him very well over the course of it. And I can tell you right now, he's just trying to be cool. Oh, sweet baby. Yeah, this kid is not cool by a wide margin. He's a fucking dork. Oh, yeah. 
but he is determined. Raz gives Coach Oleander permission to continue with his opening remarks. Go on. And the, the adults are like, hold up, you're not registered for camp. Oh. You just broke into a top secret government training facility. Don't have a permission slip to be here. Your parents haven't paid for you to be here. You don't even go here. He doesn't even go here. And Raz says that his dream is to become a psychonaut and that this is where they train psychonauts. Oh my God. He just rolled up and was like, I'm here now. Yeah. He tells Coach Oleander that it was actually his words that inspired him to come here in the first place. Oh my God. The pamphlet for the top secret summer camp sounds like some X-Men shit saying some people are just born with a gift and others are without the gift and they treat it like you're cursed. And Holy shit. He, the, this camp is here to help you understand those powers. Wow. It's fucking like a Professor X crash course. Yeah. And Holy shit. Raz's family, they fucking hate psychics. They don't like people with powers. So they weren't going to let him go to camp. They, it's why he had to sneak off to the camp and, you know, kind of like sneak in unlike all the rest of the kids that are there. I think like we're edging closer towards like Harry Potter living with the Dursleys now. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. So like culturally... Psychics exist yep. and are real, unlike in our world where they're frauds. Absolutely. Yeah. And these psychics have telekinetic powers and some sort of telepathy where they can read each other's brains and things like that. Yep. Te telepathy absolutely comes into play. And just I, I just want to make sure I understand what's happening because this is wild what you dropped us into. Holy shit. And there are government agencies that are essentially training kids to be able to weaponize this power that they are born naturally with. Very good. Oh my God. <laughs> what the fuck? As I said, considering these are all children in this game, this is a very adult oriented like storyline. Yeah. <laughs> what the shit? Like in the first Kingsman, how they're like 16 to 19 or so and they go through spy training because they're all like super powered or smart or special. But as 11, like as preteens in yep. middle school, the worst years of everyone's life? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? It's like if Hogwarts was like a military training school. <laughs> I mean, they did form an army as their senior project. That's true. They did <laughs> as their senior project. <laughs> That's really good. I don't have a great understanding of the Harry Potter series. <laughs> You're not wrong, though. They kind of did. Yeah. It's their thesis. Dumbledore's army. Mine was a story about a man who got pregnant accidentally <laughs> and didn't know that that was a thing. It's it's fine. Everything's fine. Well, Coach Oleander is very inspired hearing his own words reflected back at him. He's like, hell yeah, feed my ego, Rasputin. And he responds, get that soldier a bunk. <laughs> He's like, don't care. Fuck the budget. This kid's a part of it now. Well, Special Agent Mia Videlo goes on to explain that Raz can't actually stay until they get a hold of his parents, and they either have to agree to allow Raz to stay, or they have to come and pick him up. Ah, the voice of reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the normal thing that any adult should do when they find a loose child. Well, in the meantime, he's not allowed to do any actual training and kind of just has to hang around doing nothing. Oh, poor guy. Which sparks jealousy in Dogen that he gets to go home because Dogen doesn't want to be there. But Raz doesn't want to leave because he wants to make something of himself and show everyone that, you know, he has what it takes to be a psychonaut. Oh, totally. And Dogen just goes, and then you'll make their heads explode? <laughs> and Raz's like, what the fuck? No. Why? Can you do that? And Dogen's like, no. Well, okay, only once. But <gasps> oh shit! now I wear a tinfoil hat and that prevents me from letting it happen again. Oh, honey. 
<laughs> and also just like later on we find through some stumbled upon dialogue because you get that kind of like how you do in red dead yeah we find out that he's actually killed four people to date with his mind what the fuck yeah dogen doesn't have great control over the powers that he has <laughs> this is great and the three adults are talking about Raz, and they talk about how he has an impossibly impenetrable mind. Oh. And all three of them tried when he fell from the tree, and none of them could get into his head. So they're like, this kid's got some skulls of steel. Yeah. And Sasha Nine wants to experiment on Raz to see how powerful his defenses actually are. Just immediately. Immediately. And Coach Oleander's like, uh, don't do that. <laughs> because I have... Bigger plans for that brain. Oh, no. So the next day, Raz wakes up and all the kids tell him he needs to hurry up because it's time for basic braining with Coach Oleander. Basic braining? <laughs> it's so good. Oh, my Lord. You know, remember when I was saying in Portal, it's very simple sense of humor. And yeah. that's what Eric Walpaw brings to the game is like this really effective, simple humor. And I fucking love it so much. Yeah. The last time someone was late, Coach made them drink all the soda in camp and then shook him up until they exploded. What the fuck? That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. I, wait, I love everything about that. I want a DLC of just that kid. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> what happened to Joey? Well, he drink. slept in 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> drank every soda on campus and then exploded after he was shaken. Popped a Mentos in him. He flew into the sun. Somebody's like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Valid, yeah. Well, from here out, Raz has the ability to kind of wander around the camp in an open map kind of way. Wait, and they're still trying to, like, reach his parents or, like, yeah, they have to reach his parents regardless to be, like, pick him up or send us a check. Yeah, exactly. And <sighs> there are sections that are inaccessible based on your items or skills that you have. And as you grow and level, you'll gain items and abilities that allow you to access those areas. Okay. So not true open world, but you can kind of stack your adventure the way you'd like to. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a bit on rails in that sense, too. You know, it's a little bit like an early Zelda where you just can't do it in any order but the order they want you to. But you also need to collect this item to get to this part of the map. Then you need this item to get to that part. Of, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I can open the dungeon, but I can't go across because I don't have this fucking thing. Yeah. And there's a ton of kids to get to know. And some of them have like little missions for you and their little jobs, you know, just kind of teaching you the area and the mechanics of the game. Cool. And the tutorial is so fucking shockingly long in this game. <laughs> you, th that's your theme this season isn't it oh my god this and god. red dead just long ass fucking <laughs> tutorials <laughs> and fucking uh epilogues okay yeah so every season we end up accidentally having themes roll through every single episode <laughs> unfortunately there was one where we did a dead kid season yeah and like halfway through we went wow this is kind of dark <laughs> it's got dark quick yeah yeah, there's multiple levels worth of tutorial in this. Jesus, that's a lot of tutorial. And they never address it at any point, but one mission absolutely sets up Dogen to become a serial killer later in life. Oh, that's fucking great. Because he's seen using that brain power of his to kill a bunch of squirrels that he swears were telling him to kill everyone in camp. Like deadass, one of those things that they look for in serial killers that's really common with the archetype is like hurting animals, head trauma. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it's like getting dropped on your head, hurting animals, and I think there's like one more. I think it's like a parent hate, like leaving or hating you or something. But 
Yeah, that kid's fucked. He's definitely gonna. <laughs> in Psychonauts 2, he comes back as like Slasher Dogen. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh no. And the mechanics of this game were, for me, very frustrating. Because you play, did you do this on the PS5 or the 4? I did it on the 4. Okay. Yeah, I did play it on PS4, so it is a, you know, two systems past what it was made for. Yeah, <laughs> a couple generations behind. But, I mean, were the physics difficult, or was it just the handling, or what does that mean for you? Well, I have to give it credit where it's due, because okay. they were ambitious as all hell. So they wanted to make a hack and slash magic and ability driven RPG light platformer with point and click style puzzle game elements. You know those fridge magnets with the words? <laughs> it feels like you took a handful of video game theme ones and threw it at a wall and said, that's what we'll do. What the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> Every single one of those elements exists. So yeah, there's RPG elements where you're leveling up and gaining powers and doing things like that. It's also a platformer where you have to literally jump from platform to platform. Uh, it's hack and slash where when you're fighting your enemies, it's puzzle solving, but they do it the same way point and click games do where you have to collect an item and they have to bring it to somebody kind of shit. Like it's all of those things rolled into one game. And it's not tedious? Extremely tedious. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Never mind. I mean, but I'm also coming at it with a gamer mindset of today rather than a gamer mindset of then. Okay, fair. And games were just fucking harder then. Yeah, that's true, because they're like, you got to get your money's worth out of this shit. We're going to make it a really long time to get through it. Or it might just be the port from PS2 to PS4. I really don't know. That's fair. I mean, porting the Crash Bandicoot trilogy out from PS1 to PS4, the physics are so terrible, <laughs> and there are some levels that are just fucking hard as shit as it moves from the PS1 to the PS4 controls, just because... You know, moving such a flat game into a 3D platformed world, it's it's hard. It's fucking difficult. Yeah. So fair. And it just feels like they went with this jack of all trades, master of none approach. I mean, it does sound like they were like, put a sprinkle of everything. Let's go. Yeah. I just, I think sometimes it's better to master a single or two elements and make it perfect rather than just take a whole bunch of different things and throw them together that mostly work yeah like you can't multi-class until you really knock out your first one <laughs> um yeah and pick a lane honestly all that being said i really only ran into one glitch that made me have to press restart okay that, that's not that bad it's not i got stuck between a wall and a fixture and like that was it i just could not get out from behind this situation i mean we happy few sounds glitchier and it was made for the platforms that came out on and everything oh there are quite a few games that were made for platforms that are glitches fuck that we're going to talk about later oh no oh you're foreshadowing for the season i am i can't help it i, I god damn anyway <laughs> can i ask how long this game is or maybe how many hours you put into this game this game psychonauts can be completed in about 12 to 15 hours okay yeah gotcha yeah, it's not incredibly long. I think if you want to 100%, it's probably about 20 hours. Cool. Yeah. Some of the controls in this game made certain missions, like, took me back to being 12 years old and wanting to throw my fucking controller across the room. <laughs> I thought you were going to go a completely different direction with that. I thought you'd be like, I feel like I'm 12 and I'm at camp again. No, you are 12 and raging again. <laughs> oh, my God. God, like, we are lucky we didn't have to replace any controllers while I played this fucking game. Holy shit, I didn't know this was going to come with, like, 
uh, by the way, your husband could break things in the house. Thing. I didn't know, but this game brought it out of me. You're not even a rage gamer. No, not at all. Like, I'm a pretty quiet, contented gamer. This game fucking brought something out of me. <laughs> it awakens something in me. And as we get to know the camp and the campers, we also get to know Raz. And he is just this smart-ass kid who just really wants to be a psychonaut. Oh. He comes from a family of circus performers. Huh. And they just fucking hate people with psychic powers. Huh. Because acrobatics requires physical discipline and practice. And psychonauts are just born with it. And it's unearned and something to be ashamed about having. This feels like energy focused in the wrong direction. Oh, it absolutely is. You should eat the rich instead. How about that? And because he's so athletic, there's a ton of parkour-like platforming that is some of the most difficult platform hopping I have ever played in a main title. Oh no! I, I did not expect it going that way, but that totally makes sense. Like, I would hate to play a Mario Maker level by the people who made this fucking game. <laughs> That's fucking great. So Raz goes to basic braining where he learns how to mentally infiltrate another person's mind. And Coach Oleander takes off his hat to reveal a tiny little door on his head. Oh! And he's, oh no! Yeah. It's <laughs> bad. This game's very... It, it goes out there. He says that going into his mind will make it so Raz relives every horrible thing that has ever happened to Coach Oleander, and he's been to war. Oh my god, and these are still children. Yep, these are tiny children. Preteens. And Raz dives right in, ready for whatever comes his way. He's like, hell yeah, that sounds great. So Raz and a very frightened camper find themselves in Coach Oleander's head. And while inside a brain, we can be literally anywhere. It creates whatever that person, like whose head you're inside of, wants or has stuck inside there. And since Coach is a military guy, you find yourself in a military recruitment office. Oh. And a video of Coach starts playing, and he tells you that this is your chance to prove yourself as being worthy of being a psychonaut as many of your battles will take place inside the mind of another person. A wall falls down and a war battlefield is on the other side. Oh, shit. And the frightened kid gets killed immediately. <gasps> is it like Inception where if you die, you wake up? Yep. Or like, okay. He's fine. He just gets kicked out of Coach's head. All right. Totally fine. Yeah, that was a perfect example of Inception. Raz makes his way through Coach's battlefield brain, running into different campers along the way, either helping them or accidentally getting them killed. Oops. Um, but yeah, one kid you run into is that fucking bully kid. Okay. And he tries to get you killed by pushing you off a cliff. That little ratty looking shit. Yeah, the Kuno motherfucker. <laughs> and when he does, he does a little victory song and dance too, just to be a dick. What an asshole. Oh, I hate this child. And that girl Lily comes to your rescue by catching you with her mind. Oh. And she says she was actually saving a plant you were about to fall onto, but whatever. <laughs> I truly do not care about your life in this fake scenario that we're all in, but this plant was cool. So you make your way further into the coach's brain, and you eventually get to a point where you get to shove that bully asshole off a cliff. Hell yeah. And out of the coach's brain, and you respond with the same little song and dance that he did when he pushed you. Good. Stoop down to his level, honey. <laughs> well, finally, you're the only camper left, and you make it to the end of the war-torn battlefield obstacle course to find an empty room with not a whole lot going on in it. Hmm. I don't trust it. You explore the room and find a door open leading into a white hallway with a picture at the far end that is covered with a cloth. And just as Raz is about to remove the cloth, Coach mentally pulls Raz out of the room and tells him he never thought that he was actually going to make it this far. Oh. 
This is an accident. And as a reward, he gives you your first camp merit badge. Oh. And each merit badge comes with a special ability. Oh, cool. So this is kind of like your skill tree, but as a badge system. Exactly. Yeah. That's neat. So as you get these merit badges, you get different powers. I love that. What a fun thing. Yeah. And you get a little presentation screen with each one, too. It's very cute. Love it. And this is where the game really started to remind me of Kingdom Hearts. Really? It is has convoluted. Very similar level structures, story beats, mechanics, ease of understanding the story. Uh, all, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it really started to remind me of Kingdom Hearts. Because like at the end of a level in Kingdom Hearts, he does this little maneuver and he shoots his keyblade and it ends the level. That's kind of what Raz does here as well. He gets his new power and it kind of like showcases it. It does a very similar scene. Hmm. You finally get out of Coach Oleander's brain and he realizes a few of the kids must still be in there because they're not all awake in the classroom yet. So he goes back into his own mind to get them out. He doesn't just kind of vibe this. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, he, he can't. Not a great uh, overseer of children. No, he's not at all. And in the meantime, the rest of the campers are pissed as fuck at Raz for making them all look bad. Because <laughs> they're like, fuck you, you're not even supposed to be here, and we look dumb as hell. Sasha 9 comes to Raz's rescue and stops that dickhead bully kid from being a problem. Good. With Coach being stuck inside his own head, Sasha 9 takes the opportunity to ask Raz to come to his lab for some special training since he is proving to be so capable. Hmm. Problem being, Sasha 9's lab is in a secret location, and he didn't bother to tell you where that is. <laughs> and as you meet other people and get to know the camp, you keep hearing stories about a legendary psychonaut named Ford Cruller. Ford Cruller, like a donut. Yeah, he was the best there ever was. He founded the camp, he was the leader of the psychonauts. Oh shit, so he's like the OG psychonaut. Yeah, and rumor has it, he too has a secret lair somewhere in camp. <gasps> Fun! And on your hunt for the lab and the lair, Raz keeps running into a specific old man. The old man has two different sized eyes, he's balding, white hair, he just looks like this lunatic old man, and he talks like one. Just sounds like a crazy old man. Love it. And it's the same man over and over again. And he's always doing different jobs, like being a janitor, a shopkeeper, a boat captain. Like, he's got all sorts of jobs. Cool. But he keeps denying being the same person and talks to you like you've never met him before the first time, like, you meet him. <laughs> that's that's really weird, but I like that. Yeah, it's almost like in uh, like or in Half-Life, how all the doctors were just all the same fucking character model. Yeah, they all look like the Colonel Sanders. Yeah, I think they were. it was very much just kind of like calling out that kind of mechanic in video games. Love it. Anyway, one of them helps you eventually find the secret lair of Ford Cruller. Ooh. And you get to the secret lair, and it's the old man. Aha. And he is Ford Crawler himself. <gasps> oh, shit. And he says that his other personas are just disguises so he can keep an eye on the campers and keep them from hurting themselves. Cool. And he asks that Raz always play along when he, quote unquote, doesn't recognize him for the sake of the other campers. Now, his lair contains the world's largest deposit of Citanium, which was a meteor that crashed millions of years ago, and it gives psychics their powers. Yeah. It also makes crazy people more crazy. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's an enhancer. Yeah. Of all sorts. 
He uses his lair so he can be the guy in the chair for the Psychonauts and send them where they need to be. That's kind of cool. Yeah, kind of like Spotswood and Team America World Police. Or like how in Batman Beyond, Batman's kind of graduated to just being the guy in the chair. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like, I know how to do this shit. I got you guys. Yeah. And he tells you something fishy is going on around camp and that he needs some help figuring out what. So you agree to report back anything weird that you might find. Hmm. You head out and ask Lily if she knows where the secret lab is for Sasha 9, and she points to it on your map, and she's like, it's labeled, dumbass. <laughs> I kind of like Lily being an asshole. <laughs> like, right? I get that she's supposed to be, like, the bitchy teen girl, but she sounds fucking great, because, like, yeah, fuck you, dipshit. It's not that secret. And it doesn't even say secret lab or anything. It just has a different name, and she's like, everyone knows that's what it means. Obviously. And it's not a straightforward shot, and you do run into a bunch of campers on your way with little side missions and stories. Of course. And one thing you see a ton in this game, like I said, is this positivity towards mental health. Okay, yeah, tell me more about that. Because this game doesn't feel like it's Gen X for millennials, which is what it was. Mm -hmm. This game feels like it's Gen Z for Gen Alpha. Oh. Because everyone is hyper aware of trigger words. Oh. Equality, spectrum, sensitivities, and positive mental health. Goodness. So it truly was so ahead of its time. Incredibly. Like, there's a scene where there's a couple kids and they start a band. Oh. And one of the kids asks Raz to hold up a lighter in the air like they're at a concert, you know? Oh, cute. And one of the bandmates objects and says they have a sensitivity to fire because of a family tragedy. And the other band member immediately is just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot about that. Absolutely. Never mind. We don't need the fire. Like, oh. Just, uh, hey, how about I be respectful of you? Yeah. Fuck yeah, Psychonauts. I love that. Yeah, and it just, everybody just kind of goes on with their lives. It's fantastic. Unfortunately, this respect was not shown to the team making it. Not at but all. the no. audience can appreciate it. <laughs> like, the irony of being <laughs> so thoughtful and forward-thinking and accepting and loving and safe. And <laughs> behind the scenes, they're like... Fuck you. Stay till 11 p.m. Yeah. Be tomorrow. Back here tomorrow at 3 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Like, that's insane. Well, word gets around camp that Sasha 9 is going to give you advanced training, and you start to get the feeling that it is not something to be excited about. Oh. Kids talk about it like it's more grueling than fun, but, you know, advanced classes always are, aren't they? I guess, like, yeah, if you're good at PE, they're like, cool, we'll put you on the track team. Like, wait, no, that's just more running. <laughs> you're good at math. Here, take the advanced math course. Oh, that happened to me. Yeah, I same. I had to do that. <laughs> you're rewarded with your greatness by more work. Like, yeah. no, that's not what I wanted. On your way to the lab, you start to get a sense of being watched, and you start to look around suspiciously. Is it just a vibe, or are there visual clues? There's a vibe. Okay. And suddenly, Lily pops out of the bushes and startles you. Is she here to ruin your day? Well, Raz asks what she's doing there, and she says, you really need to stop being so self-centered and realize that you weren't the only one that finished Coach's Mind Challenge. Oh. And Raz asks her if she noticed anyone else in the bushes with her because, like, he's still getting that weird feeling, and also she doesn't smell like swamp water, which is what he's smelling. Hmm. She says, actually, you know what? I have heard of a creature that lurks in the trees watching people silently stalking campers at night. And Raz is like, really? What is it? And she goes, you, tree sitter. Tree sitter. And she's tree referring sitter. to that first night when you fell out of the tree like a dumbass. Yeah, and you can thought you were the lake monster, which would <laughs> smell like swamp water. Hmm. So even though it's marked on your map, you still have no idea how to get to the secret lab. Hmm. 
But once you do manage to find it, it's time for your advanced training with Sasha 9. Oh no. And he tells you that he deals with hard science and to stand in front of a giant machine so he can get absorbed into your own brain. So, so you're know. going into your own brain? Hard science. Yeah. So now you are going to go inside your own head. Therapy. This Entirely. is therapy. This game is therapy the game. Oh God. Entirely. Oh no. Hey, Headspace, if you guys want to sponsor us, <laughs> right? this we... would have been a perfect episode. I'm just saying you're sponsoring every YouTuber for God knows what reason. <laughs> Better help, something like that, yeah, you know? You'll see shit being like, hey, today we're going to make a cookie. By the way, if cookies don't fill the void in your heart, get therapy <laughs> with better help. <laughs> Some of those call to actions are fucking insane. And I'm just saying, pay us. Yeah, we'll talk Give about it. Give us money. Please. Well, once inside your own head, you find yourself in a circular room with a bunch of doors. And Raz is told that this is not his brain, but the pathway to the collective consciousness. Oh, shit. I, th I thought it's not the Mind Palace. We're in the fucking bus station. Yeah. So in short, the collective consciousness is a real philosophical theory, and it's used to explain how thought works. Hmm. Like, why is something considered impossible until one person does it, and then suddenly lots of people can do it? Why do two people have the same idea at the same time, having never met each other? You know, like we keep talking about where Bioshock ideas kind of permeate through games <laughs> that were being made at the same time as Bioshock. The Bioshock effect, yes. Sasha 9 tells Raz that currently he doesn't have a lot of personal connections, so most of the doors to the other people's minds are closed. And if he forms relationships with others, he gets access to them and can share in the collective consciousness with them. So people who've been in long-term relationships understand this. Parents understand this. Kids, if you've ever wondered why your parents know something that they couldn't possibly know, <laughs> it's because of the collective consciousness. I recently asked my dad if he knew when I was like drinking and doing drugs in high school. He was like, absolutely. <laughs> First of all, I'm a messy drunk. It's not probably not sneaky, but I think he had that dad sense, but it was still like, ah, she's not in trouble. It's fine. Makes a lot of sense. We've known each other for a dozen years. Yep. It happens. It happens. You just, you have this mental connection that doesn't really get explained by any other way. Yeah. So there's a lot of philosophies that this is the collective consciousness. While inside your own head, you deal with some inner demons that Raz is just not quite ready to face just yet. And you run screaming from your own head from a glowy eyed monster. Running screaming from your own head is fucking a great sentence. <laughs> fucking right. Well, back in the lab, Sasha 9 tells you that only you can defeat the demon as it's your demon to defeat and that he can only teach you how. You have to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. I can give you coping mechanisms, but you have to do the work. <laughs> oh, my God. When you agree to take him up on his offer, he actually retracts his offer because... That has always scared every other kid from going forward. Oh, shit. He's like, I actually don't know what the next step is. And he says he can't train Raz because he would get in trouble since he doesn't have a permission slip yet. Oh, he offered and then was like, hold up. First of all, this doesn't actually happen. Second of all, where the fuck are your parents? Yeah, he's like, you weren't supposed to say yes. Shit. Um, does Raz have real parents? Yes, he does. Okay. It's not like he's secretly some like the agent's kid or something or... Nothing crazy like that. I don't want to bury the lead, but this game is about mental health. Okay. And where do your mental health problems usually stem from? Mom and dad. Anyway. I've been to therapy. I know the answer to that one. <laughs> and it was definitely my mom. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Love you now. He then casually mentions there's a workaround 
that Raz better not do. Wink, wink. Which is follow that secret passageway over there that he points to, to Ford Crawler's lair, and get him to grant you a special permit, giving you permission to learn without your parents' permission. Wink, wink. And Raz just kind of takes off down the tunnel without looking back. Yeah, obviously. So Raz gets his temporary permission slip to learn the skills he needs from Crawler, and he heads back to Sasha 9 to learn how to cyblast some fools. Cyblast some fools? Yeah, so you learn how to shoot, like, a mental laser out of your head to, like, hit people. You went from Charles Xavier to just fucking Cyclops. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Well, you go inside Sasha 9's mind, and it is very different from the coaches or Raz's. And again, this reminds me of Kingdom Hearts, that opening sequence where you're fighting on the giant stained glass platforms. It's very much the same thing. And you learn how to shoot Cyblasts from uh, your head, and it prepares you for the battle against the demon that's in you. Sasha 9 tells you that you need to practice, and that in a few weeks, you should be practiced enough to be allowed to use it in the real world, as his learner's permit only allows him to use it inside the mind. Cool. While Raz is practicing, he decides to go full Sorcerer's Apprentice and increase <laughs> the difficulty level. Oh my god. And he cranks it up to seven. Not 11, because the scale was only up to six, but whatever. Okay, so there's a slight spinal tap joke there. Yeah. <laughs> but we're doing a sidestep to not get sued. And chaos ensues. He and Sasha 9 have to fix Sasha's brain before Raz can get back out. And Raz manages to go through Sasha's brain and block all of the bad thoughts from being able to escape. And he goes to tell Sasha 9 the good news. Block the bad thoughts from an escape. He's literally doing the work of like Prozac and shit right now. Yeah, and Sasha 9 asks Raz, what lesson did we learn today? And Raz goes, shooting things is fun and useful. <laughs> or suppressing bad memories keeps you happy. <laughs> Sasha 9's like, no, it's that you need to have control of your mind so it doesn't lose control because once you've lost control, it's very hard to regain. True, you don't want to spiral. Raz is like, exactly. That's why you should block your brain from ever feeling negative thoughts. And That's again, no. <laughs> Sasha's like, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, definitely learned the opposite of that in therapy, but go on. <laughs> Sasha 9 goes, if you bottle up your bad thoughts and emotion, they're going to explode out of you. Yeah. And Raz is like, oh, shit. So you're about to explode. <laughs> 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 oh, you're giving me a hint. Got it. <laughs> Just then, Sasha 9's rage monster attacks. <gasps> rage monster. Yeah, and after you defeat it, Raz asks Sasha 9, so is this the part where you lecture me? And Sasha says, no, here's your merit badge. Never speak of this again. Never speak of this again. <laughs> Things you should never say to a child. Oh, my God. Yeah, so now that you have the powers that you need, you head back into your own mind to find and fight your own demon. Like, you and I are ethnically Irish, and mm -hmm. it is the stereotype to just bury everything deep down inside <laughs> and not talk about your emotions, at least culturally. Do you think we have rage monsters inside of us? Oh, we absolutely do. Would you give me a merit badge if I beat yours up? Please. It needs to be defeated. Okay, cool. I'm going to earn that badge. I'm going to do some therapy on you later. Once you're back inside your own mind, you have a vision of Dogen laying on a hospital bed. He's with a mad scientist type of doctor. Oh, shit. The doctor says that Dogen's brain is broken since oh. it keeps killing people and that the only way to fix a broken brain is to remove it. You're going to lobotomize Dogen? Yeah, the doctor leans over Dogen with this giant metal claw for a hand. <gasps> 
and Dogen screams for his life as it cuts back to Raz. Every Dogen sequence is a full horror movie. Yeah, Dogen does not. (laughs) Dogen has a hard time. Poor kid. But he has the powers. Like, he was born with this innate ability, and it's just not going well for him at all. Yeah, and all of this is happening inside of Raz's head, not out in the real world. So Raz has to, like, race through his mind to get to Dogen in order to save him. Yeah. But there's an obstacle in the way, and now Raz needs to learn how to levitate, which Sasha 9 hadn't realized he didn't already know. <laughs> you don't know how to levitate, you fucking noob? Well, fortunately, Agent Mia Vadello is the best teacher there is for levitation, so he sets out to go find her. Well, that's super convenient for this group of people. Right. On his way, he runs into Lily, and she asks why Raz is rushing so hard to be a psychonaut. Bitch-ass Lily. Raz explains that he knows his parents aren't going to give him permission to be there, so he has until they show up tomorrow to become a psychonaut, even if that means becoming one and just, like, overnight. Oh my god, I have to get certified right now. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, if you steal a car for your driver's test, like, they're going to be mad, but I need to take the whip to the DMV real quick. Yeah, and she honestly doesn't understand because... To her, she's like, I don't even think the world needs psychonauts anymore. Technology has made them kind of obsolete. She's like, who gives a shit, man? Get a job. Yeah. (laughs) I go to this camp so I can go swimming every summer. Well, they argue a little bit about the merits of becoming a psychonaut, culminating in Lily saying that Raz is just immature. Yeah, you're all 11. (laughs) Of course he's immature. And then we hear her brain say, immature, but so cute. When are you going to shut up and kiss me? And Raz out loud goes, shut up and do what? (laughs) And Lily gets flustered, not realizing that Raz could read minds this whole time. And that's news to us as well. (laughs) And she runs off embarrassed as all hell. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? (laughs) Poor girl. I do like that this does touch on some preteen drama like that, because that is some dumb shit you do when you're 11 is like, I mean, I don't love the trope of picking on someone you think is attractive or whatever. Like, that's a dumb fucking played out thing. Yeah. But her being like, I'm going to find an excuse to talk to him. Uh, so why do you even want to do this? It's whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Look how cool I am. I don't even care. We, she, should, we should make out. She is so being that person. You're nailing her perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that. Like, I have zero chill. I'd be like, hello, I find your face nice. Do you want to push it up against mine? And everyone's like, no. Oh, my God. And that's how we got together. And we've been because i have no chill and you're like path of least resistance (laughs) i'm making myself sound great i love my therapy i'm a lunatic i am way too straightforward this is going great for me so raz goes to ford cruller for some telekinesis training and this becomes one of the most essential abilities in the game going forward And it's honestly the most broken ability in the game by far. It sucks. They make you use this ability to defeat bosses throughout the entire game, and it's fucking awful. It is just a broken-ass ability, and it's one of the big frustrations for the game for me. But regardless, you learn it, and while training, Ford asks Raz why his family hates psychics so much. Well, they're circus people. They don't understand the ways of the 9 to 5. Raz goes on to explain that Psychic gypsies cursed his family so that every member of his family will die by water in some way years ago. This took a fucking turn. Yep, so far, every single death in his family has been by water since that day. Huh. And Ford is like, well, damn, that sucks. 
<laughs> Bummer, dude. Yeah, and Raz's like, honestly, it does suck, because I'm pretty sure my dad's psychic too, but he denies that part of himself. Oh. And Ford's like, well, that sounds like a problem for a different game, so now let's talk <laughs> about that brain of yours. <laughs> and as you're heading back to the secret lab, your path takes you along the water's edge. Because it's a camp. Of course there's a lake. Totally. Raz... There's a lake monster in it. Yeah. <laughs> And Raz sees a watery hand come up out of the water and beckon him towards it. Is it Grandpa? I think it is just his, like, mental projection. Because if you do go in the water, like, Raz is fucking scared. And he, like, jumps out of it. And, like, this hand will pull you in. But you just kind of get pushed back to the edge of the water kind of thing. So Raz is genuinely scared of water. Oh, goodness. Poor baby. And honestly, he sees this hand and he starts sweating. And he's fucking terrified. And he's been so cocky up until this point, too. He's very like, I can do anything. Look at me parkour off the wall. And now he's like, oh, no, there's water. Yeah. And another camper comes running up to him. And he's like, oh, you have a water phobia, too? Twins. And Raz's like, no. Uh, yeah. OK, me. I do. And so he does explain the gypsy curse to this kid. And the kid goes, oh, OK. I thought you were scared of the water monster that comes out of the lake at night and eats any campers not in their bunks. See ya. Wait, so the lake monster's real. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Raz has a very real moment of like, my family was cursed and there's this horrible Edith Finch fucking murder <laughs> curse on my family where we're all dying by water and the other kid's like, I'm afraid of a monster. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. That's... <laughs> This game is wild. Yeah. You continue on your way when suddenly Dogen emerges from the lake with a thousand yard gaze in his eye. Oh, no. Raz runs up to him and starts telling him about the machine-induced dream that he was having about him and how he got his brain removed. And Dogen just kind of stares at him and starts saying, TV, over and over again. Oh, no. You know, like a zombie would with brains. Oh, no. And Raz looks into Dogen's ear and sees the sky right through the other side. (gasps) He doesn't have a brain. Dogen's brain is missing. Raz realizes this situation is getting bigger and more complicated, so he seeks out some more training before dealing with the fact that his vision was real. Raz finally finds Mia Vadello, and she informs him that his dad will be coming to pick him up the next day. So time is running out. Lily is there as well, and Raz tells her about Dogen having his brain sucked out, and Lily goes, no, he's just like that. Oh my god! <laughs> Lily being the bitchy mean girl is my favorite fucking character. Raz tells her about the vision he had, and she interrupts him completing it for him because she had the same vision. Oh, shit. She just didn't think it was real. Raz goes to Mia Vadello and butters her up by telling her Sasha Nine said she was the best teacher, so she agrees to teach Raz how to levitate. Oh, that's right. There's a thing blocking your way, so you have to learn how to fucking float, I guess. Yeah, and like even though you don't have permission, she does go ahead and teach you, so you go into her brain. And it is a disco wonderland. (gasps) Hell yeah, girl. Oh, she is a disco queen that Harry Dubois would have loved to meet. (laughs) He does love his disco dancing queens. And you gain the ability to levitate, which is really like this mystical ball that you can summon under your feet. And it lets you run really fast and jump really high. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I don't know why they call this levitation because it's not levitation at all. It's more like a log running. Yeah, but this game does whatever the fuck it wants. This game clearly does not obey any fucking structure of anything. No. 
So you get out of her head and tell her about Dogen and how you need to get back into your head to figure out what happened to him. And she looks at you and goes, oh, honey, he's just like that. So. <laughs> I love that everyone's fully dismissive of the weird kid in pain because they're like, no, he's a fucking weirdo. Who gives a shit? <laughs> well, you ask her about the monster in the lake and she says the hideous hulking lungfish of Lake Oblongata. Oh, that's just a camp legend. But it's a very detailed one, clearly, because you just said a whole bunch of crazy ass words. Raz is like, no, that thing just ate Dogen's brain and I'm going to figure this shit out. And so Raz goes back to Sasha 9, and he goes back into his own mind to see if he can find out what happened to Dogen before it happens to anyone else. Can I just say, like, I totally get that something happened to Dogen, but how funny would it be if he goes through this and they're literally just like, no, Dogen's just like that. <laughs> right. I would love for this to be a fake out. I know story structurally that's absolutely not what's going to happen, but I'd like to think that could be great. It would be great, wouldn't it? But yeah, yeah you're right. It doesn't happen that way. Yeah. As soon as he gets back into his brain, he slips right back into that vision from before. And the mad scientist even goes, now where were we? Oh, yes. And he puts his metal claw to Dogen's face as Dogen is screaming. Like he picks it up and he's like, oh, (laughs) thanks for joining us after intermission. Yeah. (laughs) Fucker. And the scientist twists his arm, that one that has like a claw on it. Yeah. And little black pepper flakes come flying out of it. And it makes Dogen sneeze. Oh. And it sends his brain flying across the room. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not what I expected. Okay. Yeah. So that's how he removes brains from these children. And the doctor scoops up the brain and just kind of drops it down a garbage chute. I guess this could have been a lot gorier. So, all right. Yeah. There's no blood or anything. It's just like a wet brain. And he says, it's time for the next kid. And he exits the room and he goes into the next one. And we see Lily sitting in the chair, waiting her turn. Lily is next. Bitch-ass Lily. And Raz actually finds himself in the very room with Dogen, and he just keeps saying, TV. And he can't get into the room where Lily and the doctor went. Oh, no. So he decides to chase after the brain and jumps down the garbage chute. Yeah. When he gets to the bottom of the chute, it's just a big room with the brain in it. And on the wall is like a set of blueprints. And when he approaches the blueprints, it shows a drilling machine that's very similar to like Elon Musk's boring company drills. Okay. So it's kind of like a big tank with a drill at the end of it. And a mechanical arm comes out of the ceiling and grabs the brain. And it takes the brain over to the blueprints and drops it onto the drawing of the drilling machine. And Mm -hmm. the blueprints kind of turn into a tablet at this point. And the drilling machine like comes alive on the page and it shows the tank destroying a small town. Holy shit. Raz was so wrapped up looking at the blueprints, he didn't take in his surroundings. And when he finally looks around, he sees he's in that white hallway that was in Coach Oleander's brain from before. The one with the painting with the sheet over it? Yeah, so behind that sheet was these blueprints. (gasps) Oh, no. But he gets pulled out of the machine very, very suddenly. And Sasha 9 says that an emergency just came up and he needs to go. Oh, my God. Raz tries telling him about Coach Oleander's brain hallway drill plans, but Sasha 9 leaves in too much of a hurry. Yeah. But in doing so, he leaves behind one of those doors that allows you to enter the brain of another person. Oh, you formed the connection. Yeah, so you grab that door so that way you can use it later. That's cool. And they never say it, but this is finally the end of the tutorial. Shut the fuck up! Yeah. What?! All of that was the fucking tutorial to the goddamn game. 
I thought you were going to say this is the end of the game. No, I almost <laughs> quit the game so many fucking times up to this point because I was like, what's even happening? Like, is I, I'm just collecting powers. I'm doing nothing but collecting powers. Yeah. What the shit? Yeah. Why? That was all the tutorial for this fucking game. From here out, shit gets crazy. I'm sorry. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck did you just say to me? Yeah, we're about to get into even more wildness. I don't understand. Raz decides his first course of action is to check on Lily to see if her brain is okay. Totally. Check to see if homegirl's lobotomized. And they had made plans earlier to meet by the docks, so he goes straight there to check on her. What were their plans for? Like, to, to smooch? No, not to smooch. No, okay. just to talk about all the weird shit going on. Got it. When Raz gets there, that bully fuck is there. <sighs> Rat-faced Kuno. And he just says... TV. <gasps> and he wanders away. Good. Don't save him. Fuck it. Raz... Don't help your enemies. <laughs> Stay petty. Raz finds Lily shortly after, and she's got a bit of a head cold fighting off the sneezes and sniffles. Oh no, that's bad. She says both Sasha Nine and Mia Videlo are gone, and that Coach Oleander is just straight broadcasting his plans out through the camp's PA system. What are his plans? He is stealing the brains of the psychic children and then putting them into those indestructible tanks so he can take over the world. Oh my god! Yeah. You're right, this did get really crazy. Okay, so the head of the camp is like, plot twist. <laughs> I am going to harvest the children's brains for powers. And then the two teacher agents are like, uh, let's figure this shit out. So gone. is it implied that the two agents are not in on this plan and it's just Coach Oleander working alone by himself? Very much so, yeah. Okay, so we can trust the other two adults reasonably, but Coach is off the fucking rails. Entirely. And Raz is fucking terrified and nervous. And he tells her that the whole world is literally at stake and that the only two people who can do anything about it are he and her. And she goes, let's make out. I love Lily so goddamn much. <laughs> and I also do like the trope that the end of the world makes women horny. Yeah. Like, there are so many of these where they're like, we're about to die. Kiss me. Um, <laughs> bitch, no. <laughs> that is not how horniness works. You're never like, oh, it's the apocalypse. Basement's flooded. Let's go at it. Bitch, what are you? you this was written by men. And <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Well, Raz is completely taken aback while she starts talking about, like, how exciting her life has become since he showed up and everything. So, like... It's been hours! <laughs> well, at their feet, different objects keep plopping down into the sand. Oh. There's a slice of pizza, and then it gets pulled out. Like, they're standing against some bushes, and so out of the bushes is coming these items. Like, getting thrown in front of them? In front of them, yes. Yeah. So there's a slice huh. of pizza... Then it gets pulled back out and a TV comes out, a watch, and finally a flower. And she looks at it and goes, like, look at this flower. How long has it been here? And I never even noticed. And she picks it up and she gets hoisted into the air as the 25 foot tall, hideous, hulking lungfish of Lake Oblongata tosses her into his mouth. Oh my God. And heads off into the lake. <laughs> okay, so now it's just down to you because Lily got eaten by the lake monster. And the lake monster looks like one of those fish that has like the little light that comes out in front of them and stuff, you know? The angler fish? The angler fish, but it can walk on two feet on <gasps> land. Oh, that sounds sick. And it has like a giant fucking mouth. Like the mouth is huge. That's really fucking cool sounding though. I want that like as a print. 
It is. It's a very well-designed creature, honestly. So Raz has to go after the hideous hulking lungfish of Lake Omblongata. He simply cannot do it alone. And he runs over and he steals the local bathysphere. You know, like from Bioshock. Where's my whiskey? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? If it's a Psychonaut episode, maybe I'll just take a cap. And And if they had called it a submarine, I wouldn't have mentioned this, but they called it a fucking bathysphere. Yeah, I'm going to eat mushrooms. The only other time I've ever heard the phrase bathysphere was from Bioshock. So you know what? I'm giving it to him. (laughs) And I'm giving it straight to the face. The lungfish battle is probably one of the most original and creative boss battles I've ever seen. Ooh. The game shifts to second person perspective. Hmm. Do we want to break down what that means? Please. Because first person is like what you see in a first person shooter, Bioshock, Call of Duty, that kind of game. Yeah, you're inside the person's eyes, like you're inside of them. Third person is like what you see in like a GTA, Assassin's Creed, Spider-Man, those kinds of games. Last of Us. You can see yourself in full body form. Second person is something else entirely. Yeah, I don't really know what that means. Second person is when we see our playable character from the first person perspective of another character. How do you even play as that? You get actually a lot of VR games today are in second person. Uh, It's how they've come to master the platformer in VR. Okay, interesting. This game completely pioneered that perspective to make it possible. Wow. So it's looking down at Raz and you're controlling Raz still on the screen, but you are looking at him from the perspective of the lungfish. Whoa, that's wild. It is so fucking crazy. And it is one of the hardest platforming sections of the game. Yeah, well, when you break ground, it's not always going to be smooth. Yeah, like you said, it's groundbreaking. And I was genuinely astonished by what they pulled off here. That's really cool. Eventually, Raz realizes the lungfish is just misunderstood and decides to use his new brain door to go inside the head of the lungfish to see if he can figure out why he's so grumpy. <laughs> A little grumpy boy. I personally regret that decision. Oh, no. Because the lungfish has a very weird brain. Yeah, it's a fucking fish. You get inside his head and find an active city street full of tiny lungfishes going about their normal day. Wait, that sounds adorable. Why would you regret this? A cop lungfish helps a lady and a baby lungfish cross the street, and they have a very mundane conversation about following traffic laws. Aww. And they have, like, different accents and everything, different voices. These are full people. I love this. It's like that BoJack Horseman episode where they go under the water and everything's fish. Yeah. And then a giant Raz comes stomping around the corner and all the city folks start screaming like he's Godzilla yelling, <laughs> Goggle Because Raz wears these giant goggles on his head and they all <laughs> scatter about. That's amazing. And one lungfish eventually calls out to him asking for help. And when Raz speaks, the lungfish covers his ears in pain because the sound of Raz's voice is so loud to him that it kills him. Oh my god. And an identical lungfish runs over and says, oh my god, he's dead. But that all lungfish are prepared to die fighting the tyranny of Cochamera. Cochamera. Yeah, and it's spelled Cochamera. Oh no. He's another giant like Raz who has brainwashed almost everyone in Lungfishopolis. Lungfishopolis. And you stomp and you fight your way through Lungfishopolis to the monster that is controlling the city. 
And the entire encounter plays out via local news broadcasts as well. Wait, that's fucking sick. Yeah, so you're like watching the news and like it's a lungfish reporter like reporting on the entire battle and shit. This is insane. Oh yeah, this lungfish has hundreds of people in his head and they're all like full personalities. Oh my god. There's more lines of dialogue for NPCs than Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> Not really, but there could be. You finally fight Cochamera and free the citizens of Lungfishopolis and also the Lungfish himself. He was being controlled by the coach this whole time and was forced to terrorize the kids of the camp to keep them in check. Oh no. Raz asks the Lungfish to show him what he did with Lily and the Lungfish is like, sure, and he eats Raz. No, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you want to meet your friend? No problem. And the lungfish emerges on a shore we haven't seen yet, and he spits out Raz. And he tells him that he can summon him at any time he wants to travel to the other side of the lake. That's cool. Also, you now have permission to call him by the name given to him by his own people. And that name is Linda. Linda? Oh, that's beautiful. And All right. He, she stomps off back into the lake. Love you, Linda. Well, you reconvene with Ford Crawler, and he shows you a room in his lair where he has gathered all of the kids from camp. Oh, goodness. Every last one of them has had their brains removed <gasps> while Raz was dealing with Linda. You're the last one standing. Except for Lily, who is not in the room. Okay. Ford also reveals that Sasha Nine and Mia Vadello were not called away on a mission. They're missing. <gasps> oh, no, it was a trap. He's the one who would have called them away, and he didn't do that. <laughs> it's definitely this crazy-ass coach, man. So Raz asks him, all right, come out of your lair and help me fucking go find them. And Ford goes on to say that years ago, he got into a psychic battle that left his brain broken. Oh, no. As long as he's in that lair near the Citanium, his brain works fine. But if he leaves the lair, he has no memory of who he is. Oh, shit. That's why when you see him around camp, he's not himself. <gasps> It's not an act. He genuinely is just like, I'm off my rocker. Yeah, he's genuinely lost his mind in those moments. Damn, that's crazy. It also turns out he's not as close to the Psychonauts officially as he used to be. <laughs> After his brain battle, he got fired from the Psychonauts. Yeah. They don't know that Sasha Nine and Mia take their orders from him. Oh, goodness. They do know, like, Sasha Nine and Mia know he's fired. They just know the full story of what happened, so they still trust him. Okay, fair enough. So he sets it to Raz to find all the brains and bring them back so Ford can put them back inside the heads of these kids. This game already has five different collectibles that you were finding, and now they've added a sixth. Why not? Yeah, they're, oh my goodness, the, the collectibles in this game are fucking outrageous. <laughs> when you find a brain, you remove it from the container keeping it safe, kiss it, and put it in your backpack like a raw hot dog. Put your mouth on it and then toss it loose leaf into a sack. <laughs> What the fuck? Right. And the only thing you really know is where Linda was taking the kids. And that is to an island with an abandoned asylum on it. You know how you do. It's a logical place to start. The place is locked up and you have to deal with the security guard. And he looks exactly like Homer Simpson, but he talks like John C. Riley. Oh my God. And he keeps saying that the milkman has the key and that once the door is open, the lies will end. Oh. So you got to go inside his head and sort some shit out. And this dude is a fucking mess. <laughs> He's a conspiracy theorist who's trying to discover the identity of the milkman. Okay. 
and there's even a book depository in this section. There's newspapers lining the floors and walls of this man's house inside of his mind, and in reading them, you find out that the milkman is dead, and that he died in a fire years ago. And he tells you to go dig up the grave for the answers. What the fuck? These mind worlds are fucking wild. Like, the crazier the person, the more of a mess their mind becomes. Ugh. Like, gravity can change. Oh my god. Roads can lead to nowhere. Land can fly. Sure. A little girl triggers a suicide bomb. Anything Jesus. is possible. That, yeah. You, you named a couple weird things and then a really scary thing. <laughs> what the shit, man? It is fucking dark and strange. And inside this person's mind are a bunch of little girls. Mm, I don't like that. And they're essentially Girl Scouts and they keep offering cookies and candy. And anytime Raz asks about the milkman, they call Raz a pervert and a creep and run away. Ew. You work your way through this guy's mind, realizing he is, in fact, the milkman. What had happened was he worked as a milkman and got fired. So he turned his milk bottle into a Molotov cocktail <gasps> and burned down the milk factory one day. Oh my god. And so he died the way, like, Anakin Skywalker died and became a security guard instead but now his brain is so broken, he doesn't know who he is anymore. Oh my god. Eventually what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, I know you want to move on, but that's the most insane shit you've ever said on this podcast. <sighs> I'm going to get weirder. Don't worry. I am worried. What the fuck? Eventually, Raz finds himself in a house full of the Girl Scouts and the Scout Mom. Now, take a Bioshock, as this felt so much like in Bioshock when you encounter the little sisters being taken care of by Dr. Eleanor Lamb. Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of room and everything. And their job is to protect the milkman, so you gotta kill a bunch of Girl Scouts and their mom. Dead children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I feel bad that I brought up that season of Dead Kid Games that we did. The milkman awakens from his slumber, and he uses his Molotov milk bottles to help you and he escape his mind. Once out, he has a personal vendetta against the asylum he was set to guard, as that's where they scrambled his brain after he set fire to the milk factory so many years ago. Oh my goodness. So he sets off to do the same to the asylum. <laughs> he really only has the one solution for his problems, and yeah. it's fire. It, it's going to be a while before he can do any damage, because he got a few missions to complete first. Once inside the grounds of the asylum, Raz realizes the person who runs it is the scientist from his vision from before that had the claw that was removing <gasps> Dogen's brain. Yeah. Raz meets a few of the denizens of the asylum, like a former actress who keeps thanking the walls for their applause, a man who kind of thinks he's Napoleon, and a painter who is a prisoner of his art. Oh, these all sound like Doctor Who episodes. Like, what is this shit? Well, yeah, they're in an insane asylum, so these are crazy people. Yeah, fair. And they're being watched by an orderly that is guarding the elevator to the scientist's office. And this man has terrible eyesight, and you have to disguise yourself like the scientist to get him to step aside and let you up to the office. Hmm. So in order to do so, you have to step into the minds of the lunatics in the asylum and help them sort through their issues. <laughs> Just do some casual therapy. Yeah, like I said, this is therapy, the video game. Oh my god. Raz gets a vision of Lily being held captive by the scientist, whose name is Dr. Lobato. Real subtle. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he tells her his master plan, you know, like a bad villain. And she tries to set him on fire with her mind, but he has her in a psychic power-suppressing helmet. Ugh. Like Magneto. 
and he goes to pepper spray her in the face. Problem is, Lily's still sick, and she can't smell a damn thing. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah. chill. So it cuts back to Raz. In order to get that disguise together, like I said, he has to go help the crazies of the asylum. And the actress is distressed about a bad review from years ago. And you have to help her mentally get over that issue. As she is an award-winning actress. And fuck the critics, honestly. It's a crazy puzzle game section based on the Phantom of the Opera. Oh, fun! If the play he was terrorizing was a youth theater production of Jack and the Beanstalk. Oh, no. And it comes complete with falling lights and attempted murder of children. <laughs> I love Phantom. It's fucking great. That's it sounds insane. And when you fix her brain, her award will make a great claw for your disguise. Ooh. For the next part of your disguise, we have to visit Napoleon Man. And it turns out, it's not that he thinks he's Napoleon. He's actually the great, great, great grandson of Napoleon. And he has been hijacking his great, great grandson's brain in order to live again. Oh, shit. His real name is Fred Bonaparte. Fred Bonaparte. Oh my God. Is he short? Like, do they do that? He's 6'5. Oh shit. That's even fucking funnier. Oh yeah. No, he's tall as fuck. Broke the cycle. <laughs> so you can see why Napoleon would want to take his brain. Yeah, he's like, this will fix everything, guys. This is my one weakness. And inside this guy's head, Fred and Napoleon are playing a war themed board game for control of his psyche. A board game. Napoleon has the unfair advantage of being a commander-in-chief of a country's military. <laughs> you know, that old peanut. And the war game they are playing is a rip-off variation of the almighty Settlers of Catan. Wow. Yeah, no, it has even like the hexagon shapes and everything. It's pretty fantastic. If you like Settlers of Catan, this is, this is a really good section. That's really cool. And Raz has to shrink down and kind of live in the town that gets created by the map of the Catan board mm -hmm. and convince the town people in that town to help defeat Napoleon. <laughs> you guys have to rally to help us defeat Napoleon. <laughs> the shit I'm saying today is like just you fucking said that to me. out of this world. And as we've seen repeatedly throughout history, those with something to fight for win the battle. And so Fred Bonaparte wins and he gains control of his mind back from Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> in winning, we find out Fred wasn't even an inmate at the asylum. He was actually the head orderly. <gasps> oh, my God. But when he lost control of his brain to great great grandpa one day, they kind of turned him into an inmate. They're like, yeah, you're already here. And Fred is so excited to regain control of his body that he wants to strangle the other orderly who let him get incarcerated. Hell yeah. It's the same one that's blocking the elevator. And Raz is like, Obviously. hell yeah, one less thing to worry about. But if you remember the classic flash animation, The End of the World, you will know that before the French fire the missiles, they must first take a la nap. <laughs> Fuck off. So Fred takes a nap. Oh my God. And Raz has to take his straight jacket for the disguise instead. Raz goes to the painter, whose name is Edgar, for help with a disguise, and he sees that he is working on a portrait of Dr. Lobato. And then Edgar goes into a daze and paints a bull over the painting. Huh. And he says that it's a problem he's been having. He keeps painting these bulls over his artwork. 
Raz is like, cool, this guy has something fucked up going on in his head. So he slaps a door on the guy's forehead and dives into his mind. <laughs> Great, you seem fucked up. Let's do this. And inside his mind, the art style of the game changes drastically. Oh, no. And again, it reminded me of Kingdom Hearts would do. Because, like, every Disney property had a different art style. So within those Disney worlds, they changed the art style of the game entirely to match that Disney property. And speaking of Disney, if this was a Disney world... It would be the land of the dead from Coco. Wow. It's lots of black light highlighted colors, utilizing black negative space to make the colors really pop. It is a beautiful level. That sounds insane. And Edgar is building a tower of playing cards to reach a woman that is peering down on the world below, crying rose petals. He does not know who the woman is, just that he knows he can heal her with his art if he could build a tower tall enough to reach her. But a bull named El Odio keeps knocking down his creation. El Odio. And El Odio means hatred in Spanish. Oh, shit. Raz has to help him find enough cards and also has to defeat El Odio. Lots of platforming, Lucha Libre fights, and puzzle solving ensues. You solve his issues and leave his brain, and Edgar agrees to paint you a formal portrait of Dr. Lobato without El Odio ruining it. You don your disguise, and the blind-ass orderly lets you onto the elevator into Dr. Lobato's lab. Before you get on the elevator, you get the classic, this is the point of no return screen. Oh, good. Because I don't know how much more of this I can do. This is really insane. I get why some games do this. Like, I just think there's better ways of doing it. Yeah, like with open world games, it's like, are you done with your side missions? Because we're wrapping this shit up. Like, totally get that. Like, do we have to break the immersion and say, hi, if you're going any further, you're not going to be able to go back and do anything else. Are you sure you want to go forward? Like, you don't need to do that. And this feels very linear. Like, it's not like there's a lot if you double back. Granted, it is nice to sometimes know that you're coming to the end, but this is not the way. That's fair. And the climb to the top of the lab reminded me of that climbing game with the guy in the barrel and the sledgehammer. It's called Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy. Yeah, yeah, it's a man in a barrel and you have like a pickaxe and the physics are that you swing the pickaxe over your head and push yourself up and you can throw yourself. Yeah, and if you fall, you got to start all over. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. And that is exactly what you have to fucking do here. Kind of pain in the ass. You don't have the sledgehammer and the barrel and shit, but it's climbing and it is fucking hard. Oh. And the whole time you're chasing this little character up the tower that is not Dr. Lobato. When you get to the top, you get a scene where the little person is approaching Dr. Lobato, saying they brought him the brains he asked for. Dr. Lobato refers to this little person as Shigor. Shigor, so inclusive. I know, right? And Shigor is stealing the brains of children because she knows that Dr. Lobato is trying to use those brains to power those tanks, so she doesn't want to give him adult brains because they might be more predisposed to violence. Lobato is mad at Shigor because the kids' brains aren't violent enough. So he threatens to cook her pet turtle and make turtle soup out of it. Oh my god, that's so dark. Crazy dark, right? Like cooking somebody's pet? Oh my god, that's some fatal attraction shit. Yeah, right? Fucked up. So she doesn't want her turtle to get cooked, and she gets yeah. him the brains of Agent Sasha Nine and Mia Videlo oh. to get him to stop threatening the turtle. Oh. Whose name? is Mr. Pokelope. Mr. Pokelope. And now Dr. Lobato doesn't have to turn him into Mr. Smokelope. Jesus, fuck! 
this? Well, Raz sees all this, and he approaches Shigor outside of the lab, and she agrees to take Raz to where she's keeping Sasha Nine, Mia Vidello, and Lily, as long as she agrees to help free Mr. Pokelope. Oh. Now that her shit's at stake, she cares. Yeah, well, once Mr. Pokelope is free, he can tell her what to do. What the f- all right. Yeah, Raz's like, oh. Oh, you're no. weird. <laughs> but agrees to help because, you know, she said she can take him to the others, so. I like to think that, meanwhile, across town, Raz's dad is like white knuckle driving the family van, being like, this motherfucker, <laughs> he is so grounded. And then we cut back to him being like, I have to save the world. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. His dad's still on the way to pick him up, and he is not happy. He's doing that angry dad driving right. with no music on, just like, this fucking kid. <laughs> when Raz gets there, Lily is fine, but Good. the other two are brain dead. Oh, Lily's managed to escape all this just because she caught a fucking cold. (laughs) Right. That's pretty good. And Raz immediately starts talking about how he's been thinking about what Lily said earlier about making out. (gasps) And it's like, not now, Raz. Yeah, not now, ever. First of all, (laughs) you're 11. Keep it in your goddamn pants. Right. This podcast has a hard stance on... Children exploring their sexuality in a safe environment when they're old enough to process what they're doing. (laughs) That's the stance we're going to take. I don't care if it pisses anyone off, but, you know, wait until the world's not ending to explore having a new partner you want to smooch. Well, Raz has to go get the brains of the agents back so they can help you defeat Dr. Lobato and Coach Oleander. Yeah. But first, it's a rescue mission for Mr. Pokelope. Yeah, let's prioritize the turtle. Well, you bust him out of his terrarium and bring him back to Shigor. He was in a terrarium? Of course she was. Wait, that's kind of wonderful. They didn't just stick the turtle in a box. They're like, all right, well, this is like your home, but little. Yeah, and Shigor is so happy to see her best friend, Mr. Pokelope. And she picks him up and says, okay, Mr. Pokelope, tell me what to do. And Mr. Pokelope just stares at her. Yeah, because he's a fucking turtle. And she begs and pleads with Mr. Pokelope to tell her what to do next. Mr. Pokelope just stares at her. She's definitely an only child. And Raz is like, oh, God, here we go. And then in a deep baritone, Mr. Pokelope says, that's right, baby. Daddy's here. Oh, my God. Wait, no, I did not like that at all. Why did she? Why did the turtle say daddy like that? Everything's going to be all right. Now, here's what we're going to do. Oh, my God. And the scene fades out as he whispers his plan in her ear and Raz looks around in shock. Yeah, because what the fuck? Shigor approaches Dr. Lobato saying she has found the best brain she has ever found yet. And he says, that's what you always say, but sure, put it over there. <laughs> She's shaking and worried, and the brain speaks out to her in Mr. Pokelope's voice, telling her everything will be all right. Just get him into Dr. Lobato's machine, and he'll take care of the rest. Oh. Once Mr. Pokelope is in the machine, he says, it's time to make the soup. And he blasts Dr. Lobato off the tower. Holy shit! So this turtle's a dick swinger. We were right to save the turtle. Yeah, don't threaten to make him into soup. He will fuck you up. Okay, no more straws forever because save the turtles fucking saves lives. Yep. This is amazing. Shigor helps you reinstall the brains of the agents, and they are really impressed with her work as they feel 100% themselves. Hell yeah! Sasha Nine even says he's been needing a lab assistant and essentially offers her a job on the spot. <laughs> Honestly, that's really fucking cool. It's actually really cute. Her mouth just like hangs open in shock the entire time. She's like, no way. Oh, sweet baby. 
And she offers to take them to the rest of the brains so they can save all of the kids. Yay! When you get everyone their brains back and explain the whole story with Dr. Lobato and Coach Oleander to them, Dogen goes, Oh god, I owe the squirrels an apology. <laughs> and Raz goes, Yeah, you... T- I'm sorry, what? Squirrels? Dogen says the squirrels were telling him the little one is going to kill everyone. And Dogen just thought instinctually that they were talking about himself and not Coach Oleander. Oh my god. So that's why he was trying to kill all those squirrels before. Because he was like, they're talking shit. Yeah. No, they were warning you, baby. He's like, oh my god, I owe them such an apology. I'm going to go help them out. Jesus fuck. As you rebrain the last kid and reunite with Makeout Queen Lily. Makeout Queen Lily. Coach Oleander comes hobbling in saying he wants Raz's brain, as he's clearly the best of them all. This motherfucker. Raz is mad because Coach Oleander kidnapped his friends and teachers, derailing his education, brainwashed and tortured poor Linda, and worst of all, he kidnapped his girlfriend. Oh, they're just dating now? Oh, Wait, yeah. I'm, I'm more invested in this side story. <laughs> so they had a deep... T-R, define the relationship talk when they were talking about making out, right? Yeah, I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it was just him like throwing it out there and seeing if she was okay with him saying it. And she was. Have you ever had a camp love? No, never did. Oh, like how what camp you didn't find a, a sweet little cow friend to wrestle and look up at the stars with? I was nine. Well, they're 11. <laughs> fair yeah no i did not oh i always thought that was so sweet when you go to camp and you like fall that's i mean that's how crazy ex-girlfriend the series started so maybe it's not always a good thing well sasha nine kind of puts his hand to raz and like pushes him back he's like this fight's a little big for you and (laughs) raz tells sasha nine that he used to clean the elephant cages he can recognize a pile of and then raz and lily get lifted into the air (laughs) that's great Oh, that's a that's a good beat. Yeah, Mia Vidello uses her telekinesis and kind of transports them outside and onto the ground floor of the asylum. <laughs> and we get treated to a cutscene of Edgar deciding that his problems are cured and he wants to go out into the world to sell his art again. Oh. Being in an asylum, he was chained up. Being a Mexican wrestler, He's crazy strong, and he rips his chains out of the ground. Wait, he's a Mexican wrestler now? Yeah, remember I said there was Lucha Libre fights. Oh, God. Yeah, he is built like a Mexican wrestler. Wow. In doing so, he breaks a gas line. (laughs) And he smells the air and is relieved because it means the gas isn't turned on, and he leaves the asylum. Next, the actress is out in her garden, realizing her plants need some water. And she finds a spigot and turns it on. It wasn't water. It was gas. (laughs) And then we cut back to the gas flowing out of the pipe and a very last second edition voice line from Edgar goes, oh no, I spilled my paint thinner and acetone. (laughs) Just casually like, oh, by the way, I'm also contributing to this. Yeah. Then we see Fred Bonaparte is out in front of the asylum and he finds the milkman, Edgar, and the actress. And they all remember that he was, like, an orderly at one point, And they're like, ah, oh, fuck, are we in trouble? No. And he goes, uh, no, fuck this. The asylum's closed. You're free to go. I could give two shits. Let's fucking roll. And the milkman decides to throw one last Molotov for <gasps> old time's sake. Oh, my goodness. And the cocktail explodes in the asylum. The gas and paint thinner spread it like crazy. 
And the milkman says, the milkman has completed his route. That's a cool line. I'm not going to lie. That's some cool dudes don't look at explosion shit right there. Yeah, and they all leave the asylum like as it burns behind them. Beautiful. Now, the agents are still battling the coach at the top of the tower with their brain powers, and the kids are still within the grounds of the asylum while all of it burns around them. So they're like, oh, this is bad. Yeah, and as they're like floating down still from Mia Vadello's telekinesis and they land on the ground, this does not stop Lily from trying to get her makeout game on, and she leans in for a kiss. <laughs> we have to stop pretending that the end of times makes women horny. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair in this situation, I think Lily is like, we're safe. She's like, oh, I see fireworks. Babe, those are explosions. <laughs> so glad you said that, because while she leans in, the battle continues up above, and Fred Cruller comes flying in to save the day. Oh. And he throws Pepper into Coach's face. <gasps> and he sneezes, causing essentially a nuclear explosion. What the f- Oh my god. And during this, Lily and Raz's lips are together, and the explosion is those fireworks that Lily was hoping she would have. Oh! <laughs> that's actually really cute! And- the happiness is very short-lived because the asylum comes crashing down around them and Raz has to use some of his newly acquired powers to keep them safe, and he does. Okay, save a hoe. This is all a cutscene. Cool. The agents reconvene with Raz and Lily, and they joke about Coach losing his brain. <laughs> Which is too bad because Coach was a great agent when he was a good guy. But and now he's a fucking lunatic. Yeah, Coach comes hobbling out saying, TV. And ah. they all just laugh at him. Haha, you're lobotomized. It's hilarious. And I was playing this game at this point, and I was fucking pissed. Because this was some Hunger Games bullshit where the main character doesn't get to fight the final battle. <laughs> Raz got sidelined so the adults could handle it. It's just a cutscene. Fuck you. And the adults all wandering off laughing about stupid Coach Oleander, except Raz. And Raz asks, so where's his brain? Just then. A tank erupts from the ground with Coach Oleander's <gasps> brain at the helm. Yeah! He separates Raz from the others and fights him, giving me that final boss battle I was so craving. Good. And it's a hard fucking battle. It should be. It's the last fucking thing. It took fucking ages to beat, and I almost quit entirely several times. <laughs> but I beat his fucking ass. Hell yeah. And Raz stands on the tank in victory, and an arm comes out of the tank <gasps> and hits Raz with some pepper causing Raz to sneeze, and his brain goes flying out of his head. Oh no! And Raz's body does the whole TV thing and starts wandering off. And Raz's brain is like, okay, time to think, like I have a choice. Yeah, that's all I do. The tank is busted, but the formaldehyde container that like holds the brain controlling the machine is still fine. So yeah. the brain Raz flips himself up into it. <laughs> what he doesn't expect is for his brain to merge with Coach Oleander's, which was still in the tank. Oh no, so it jumps into the jar and they're both in the jar and they merge? Just to give you some reference. What the fuck are brains made out of? We hit the point of no return four fucking hours ago. <laughs> Remember when you were like, oh good, this is almost over? No. No. It's 100% not. No. The epilogue is longer than the fucking tutorial. I thought we were going to end on the kiss and it was going to be a cute moment and it'd be like, credits, fucking go. Nope. Now we have to take every skill, every puzzle, every acrobatic trick in your fucking arsenal to complete the most difficult platforming ever put to fucking screen. 
<laughs> we have to chase six-year-old Coach Oleander through the amalgamated minds of his and Raz's. Oh my god. Raz grew up in a circus. Coach Oleander grew up in a slaughterhouse. What the fuck? Now, take those tragic childhoods, smash them together, and we find ourselves in a circus made of meat. Yeah, this is a full horror movie. And little Ollie is trying to protect his pet rabbit from his father's meat grinder. Oh my god, we went back to, like, the killing rabbit. Oh, sometimes when I play a game and I hit a section I'm struggling to complete, I usually, like, need to put the game down for a spell, return to it later, and I can usually complete whatever was bothering me on my first attempt. Yeah, sometimes you need to sleep on it. Sometimes you, like, I did that with Outlast a lot. (laughs) Because I'd be like, I'm stuck on this level or this puzzle. I just need to put fresh eyes on in the morning. Yeah, you just need to take a break. Yeah. That was never the case with this game. It was just always annoying. I can't believe I finished it. Like, honestly, no lie. And it was the ending that almost had me quit. Oh, my God. It was so fucking hard. (laughs) The climb to the top here puts that asylum climb to shame by a long shot. Jesus. And the whole time you're in the meat circus, you keep hearing a spectral voice call out your full name. I hate the term meat circus. (laughs) I never want to hear that again. I'm so sorry that I had to write it. Yeah. But you make it to the top and little Ollie is more scared than ever. Because now dad is here, and he hates bunnies. Uh Uh-oh. You fight the damn near impossible butcher dad, and he drops a package at his feet. The package unfurls itself, and now pops Raz's dad. Oh no, other dad is here. And he looks around at the meat circus and asks Raz, what did you do to our circus? Oh. Because this is the daddy issues section of the game, if you haven't picked up on that yet. (laughs) This, again, this is therapy. Dad can tell you've been hanging out with psychics, and he challenges Raz to another climb. This time, it's a timed event. Because if you're going to hang out with psychics, you're going to suffer the psychic gypsy's curse, and he starts filling the place with water. Oh, shit. Your dad's just out for fucking blood. Like, little Ollie's dad was out here just like, fuck your pet, that's meat, and I'm hungry. Your dad's like, I'm going to kill you now. Yeah, he keeps juggling exploding uh, bowling pins and keeps throwing them at you. What the fuck? So now you have to parkour your ass up to the meat tower that defies all laws of physics. Honestly, at one point, you go down a ladder that has a loop in it. Yeah, okay. This shit is insane. Even though you complete his task, he calls you a liar and a cheater, and he joins forces with the butcher, and they both fight you to the death. Daddies. After you defeat him, the spectral voice manifests itself, and it's your actual dad. Not just your own mental projection of him. Oh, shit. Oh, he finally got to camp to pick you up? No. So when he sees the version of himself in your head, he's like, damn, really? Is that how you see me? Oh. And Raz is like, yeah, why do you hate psychics so much? And his dad says he doesn't. He's just scared. Oh. He knows his family's psychic, but that those powers bring lots of enemies. The family has a fucking curse on it for crying out loud. Yeah. They've already been targeted. He was just trying to keep Raz safe by stopping him from using his powers. And right now, Dad is actually just using astral projection to be there. Aww. He tells you that he needs to help you untangle your brain from Coach Oleander so you can get back inside your own body. Yeah. But Evil Dads 1 and 2 have different plans. Oh no. They have now merged like a fucking Megazord from Power Rangers (laughs) and are one giant creature. Big angry daddies. 
Good Dad says he's going to give you all of his power so you can defeat Mega Dad. He unleashes everything he has at you, and you grow into a giant fire being version of Raz. You Mega Evolve, hell yeah! Just what you need to beat up Mega Dad. Which you inevitably do, and it causes your brain to collapse in on itself. Oh no. But it's okay because Shigor has begun separating your brains on the outside. Hell yeah, Shigor. Shigor's the shit. Shigor's fucking great. The scene fades to black as you wake up, and we're taken to a couple days later back at camp. And Coach Oleander is giving the end of summer speech. Yes, Coach Oleander. Yeah, why isn't he arrested? Because the personal demons that were causing him to act out have all been eradicated, so he's all good now. What the shit? <laughs> hey, you know, prison is supposed to be about reform. <sighs> so he's reformed. Okay. And he's also really, really sorry he tried to steal everyone's brains and tried to take over the world. He gave them a my bad? Yeah, daddy issues, right? Oh my god. But today is not about Coach Oleander. It's about someone else. Today, they are officially making Raz a psychonaut. Oh, he did. He passed his tests and certifications and got his fucking merit badges. He got them all, and Ford Crawler offers you an official Psychonauts uniform, and you happily agree. Oh, good. And we flash to a little while later, and Raz is in his new uniform, and he's walking with Lily through the parking lot just on the edge of camp. Oh. She tells him it was the best summer ever, and then just says bye and turns and walks away. Hell yeah. Raz grabs her and gives her a big kiss right on the lips. No makeout, but it's nice. Yeah, no tongue. You're 11. Just as they break apart, Sasha Nine, Mia Vidello, and Ford Crawler fly in, saying there's been another kidnapping. <gasps> it cuts the coach standing five feet away going, I was here the whole time. You all saw me. <laughs> I didn't do this one. And they say that Truman Zanotto, the grand head of the Psychonauts, was the one that got kidnapped. Oh, shit. And this makes Lily go, Dad. <gasps> Ooh, twist. Such a good twist, right? That's good. That's why she's like, I'm always here. I don't give a shit. I'm over it. But Sasha Nine's not worried. The Psychonauts finally have a kidnapping specialist on the team. Oh. And they board their amazing official Psychonauts jet that looks like the Blackbird or the X-Jet from X-Men. Oh, sick. And the jet flies at the camera. And cuts to black. The end. Oh my god, that was fucking insane. And also the longest point of no return in history. Yeah. <laughs> Dear god, I, th I think it was something like five and a half, six hours after point of no return. Out of the 15 hour game. Out of the 15 hour fucking game. Holy shit. Oh my lord, right? But this game did shit that I've never seen games do before. Or just that they've done where, like I said, they went for that whole jack-of-all-trades thing where other yeah. games have taken two elements and perfected them mm -hmm. this game really took all of them and just innovated them that's really cool it was a frustrating game yes where i wanted to throw my controller across the room every time but i also really liked it in the end i think it has an amazing story i think it has a great message the fact that it's so focused on positive mental health is such a refreshing thing yeah but also God damn, this game was fucked up. This game is fucking insane. Yeah. I, I fully kind of don't understand it still. <laughs> um, my favorite character is Linda. And Linda's great. Yeah. And um, Lily. Lily's wonderful, too. Lily's really cool. I just, again, I really don't like the trope of kind of tease people you're into, and I really don't like the trope of danger makes you horny. <laughs> 
I guess so, yeah. But that is Psychonauts, everybody. Ooh, that was crazy. And my shrooms have kicked in. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you do partake, partake responsibly. Please do. Um, but yeah, no, that was fucking wild. And you said the sequel, does the sequel pick up kind of right where we left off, presumably? So the VR game, the, the rhombus game. Oh, that's right. You said there was a bridge game. Yeah, that one deals with the kidnapping here. Cool. And then Psychonauts 2 does go off in its own adventure. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I am very fascinated to play the VR game, especially because it is on PSVR, which we have. So I think I'm probably oh, cool. going to pick that up and try that out. Yeah, jump into a brain, give it a lick, and save a bunch of Psychonauts. Yeah, and now I'm going to play Psychonauts 2 because I want to see them advance on the controls and the mechanics and everything because I bet now it's much better. Oh, definitely. Oh, that's so fucking cool. Well, this is such an incredible piece of work. Uh, yeah. I think that's the best way to describe it. I was going to say like project media. Like it just, it feels so comprehensive and insane. And this feels like something you could only do in the medium of video games too. Like I don't think this would ever work as a book or a comic or a TV show or a movie. This has to be something interactive because of the shift changes and the tonal changes and everything. Like you have to buy in as a video game. Entirely. No, that's a perfect thing to say about it. There's the right medium for the right project and video mm -hmm. game is the only one this would have worked in. Yeah. Oh, holy shit. That was wild. Well, thank you, Goombas, for coming on that psycho ride. Yeah, thanks, Goombas. And do you have some Goombas specifically you'd like to give a special... Goomba shout out to? Yeah, a lot of you have been writing in and we appreciate it so much. Emails, you write in, Instagram. So, I mean, we really, really appreciate it. And at this point, there are a few of you that we consider basically friends of the show. So we just want to give a few of you a shout out. And I'm really sorry if I mispronounce any of your names. And I'm only doing first names. But uh, if you've written to us and I'm reading your first name, then it's you. Okay. I just don't want to dox you just for liking our show. Anyway, the Goombas I am shouting out today, we've got Griffin, Arabella, Brayden, Krisha, Elliot, Jackson, Richard, Dallas, Brent, Joseph, Maddox, the Rule Breaker, LJ, GD, Debbie, Nathan, Itzel, and Jackie. So yes, thank you to you all for writing in, for talking to us, for interacting with us. We absolutely believe we have some amazing fans because we do have some amazing fans. And some weirdos. <laughs> and some weirdos. But the, I like the weirdos a lot. Thank you guys. It is truly just so heartwarming. You know, we're not getting paid for this. We mentioned we won some free salads out of it. That's the most we've gotten out of it monetarily, but... We do this because we love doing it, and we really, really love hearing from you guys. So thank you so much, truly. Yep. All right, Goombas, until next time. Until next time, please do feel free to shoot us emails. Our email is theothercastlepodcast at gmail.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook. I am trying to post some spicy memes on Instagram when I remember, so keep an eye out for that. And then, yeah, let us know if you have games you'd like us to play. Again, Psychonauts was very heavily requested, so Tom very. jumped in on it, and you guys sent him down to a weird place, and now we're trying to book him a therapist. Oh, no, I got the therapy I needed. Thanks. I'm good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. The, the game was therapy. I'm good. <laughs> Everything's fixed. We're cool. I have no underlying issues to address. <laughs> All right, so stay tuned. We are about midway through season five. We have so many more fucking 
fun games coming for you. We are going to start figuring out what to do for season six. And until next time, our lovely Goombas. Bye.